Kessler here from Grunthal. Paul Kingsley with the 30-second board to five. Brian, the gate is down. This is a sharp left-hander. Who's going to shot? Looks like Darcy Lange on that Richmond Gallup. Kawasaki gets the jump. That's where it all started. Big MX Radio is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, Guts Racing, 204 Skate Shop, and Throttle Syndicate make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop on Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, Phoenix Handlebars, and Guts Racing. What you need to do is go to BigMXRadio.com, check out all the podcasts, and then while you're on the internet, you might as well pop on over to FoxRacing.ca, peruse the catalog, you know you're going to find something you absolutely love, call up your local dealer, find some availability, go try on some stuff, actually get some proper fitment from some of their expert sales staff, especially when it comes to helmets and boots. Uh, you can buy it online, uh, obviously nowadays, uh, uh, easy shipping backward back if things don't work out but honestly the the experience of going down to the store picking up that that awesome helmet gear or boots uh, or casual wear uh, and walking out with it uh, sight on scene uh, it doesn't get much better than that so go check that out uh, go check out the website foxracing.ca and then go to your local dealer support your local dealer and uh, and do exactly that I'm your host, Brad Gebhardt. This is the Big MX Radio Podcast, this being episode 859, and let's dive straight into this thing. We're going to talk a little bit about the AMA series. We're going to uh, book things off with the Canadian series uh, after we throw things off to Talon Hawkins, uh, but let's get, just come straight into um, Lucas Oil Pro Motocross AMA Nationals brought to you by Monster Energy Drink. Starting with the 250 class, it continues to be the Jet Lawrence Show. Uh, he gets his ninth moto, eighth and ninth moto of the year. Absolutely crushing everybody. Uh, it was like it, it just seems like every single weekend, uh, it's Jet and then it's everybody else. And there's been like a serious, basically separation between the top three and then the the rest of the the, the supporting cast, if you will. Joe Shimoda as well as uh, Hunter Lawrence. They like. They've been basically second and third, second and third. Uh, Joe gets the one overall win in Redbud, and, and hats off to him. Great ride from him. You, you, and also, uh, you got to imagine that Hunter Lawrence is probably just seething mad, the fact that he's ridden as well as he has so far. In fact, he has, out of the top three, has the best average finish out of all three of them. Uh, but obviously, it's it's a couple of it's one bad race from Joe, and it's one bad race from uh, from Jet that um, th that has basically spelt the whole season for them so far. In fact, um, like Jet has won all but one national. He's he's won all but three motos, I believe, at this point. Uh, no, four motos. Yes, 
four, five motos are not uh, his so far. Uh, absolutely crushing it. He's got uh, a, he's got a, a 25, 27 point lead over his brother right now. Uh, had he scored points in the moto where he had his his bike malfunction in Redbud, uh, spot him his uh, his average so far with uh, with 20 points. Obviously, you can't like that's just total hypotheticals. But he'd he'd have a 47 point lead at this point. In fact, he'd probably have more because he he likely as so far has beat Hunter heads up in every moto. Probably would have uh, got a few more points on him. So call it 50 points. He'd have a full race lead over second place in the series. It's Jet Lawrence's world. We're just living in it. And for the first time in a very, very long time, uh, I'm pretty amazed to see that there is not one American in the top three in the 250 class uh, at all. And I, I think this would probably be the first time you could ever really say that. I can't think of off the top of my head over the course of this championship, there hasn't been uh, in in points uh, an American within the top three. And, and you know what? Uh, Justin Cooper is closest to it. And, and he's, he's a ways off. He's almost, he's over 30 points behind Joe Shimoda and in fifth Levi kitchen, he's out for the rest of the series. Um, he's almost a hundred points down from, uh, from Shimoda. So like, unless things change in a, a huge way, uh, you're going to have three non-Americans, three imports, uh, sitting atop the uh, the 250 class in uh, Lucas Oil Pro Motocross AMA Nationals. That's got to be a first, and uh, uh, the, the probably the guy who's smiling smiling about it the most is uh, there. Everyone has the, all three of those guys have the same agent in uh, in Lu- Lucas Lucas Myrtle. So. Uh, Couple other guys that kind of stand out to me from this last weekend. Uh, you're gonna, you're gonna hear from him in a few minutes here. Talon Hawkins makes his pro debut, the 339 in your program. Uh, went with a 339 because obviously he's 71 as as an amateur. None of the numbers that were available had 771 uh, available right now. Uh, but he's a huge Josh Grant fan, and I actually talked about the talked to, about this with him off air, and I asked him about the number, uh, which is something I probably should have thrown into the podcast. But uh, either way. Uh, he, he's grown up, uh, being close with Josh. Josh, of course, ran number 33 throughout his entire 450 career. And that's why the three, three, uh, nine, as that was the only three, three number that was, uh, available. So, uh, cool, a little bit of a cool story there. Great ride from him pro debut. He'll go back and race Loretta's same thing with Ryder, uh, DeFrancisco, who out of Bakersfield, California, eighth overall, uh, he gets himself he, he had a fantastic ride in both motos. I think he's he's poised to really make some noise once he turns pro um, and put a third pro circuit Kawasaki into the top 10, which is not something they've had for uh, for, for quite some time now. Uh, a team that was absolutely so dominant. Uh, looking good, by the way, in that Fox Racing gear head to toe. Uh, I guess he's got he's got the bell helmet on, but either way, uh, those guys look absolutely sick. So, uh, and also, honorable mention on the day, Max, Max Boland. Like, uh, good finishes, both motos, a 4-6 on the day, 33 points, only a couple of spots, uh, only a couple points out of uh, getting his first ever podium. Uh, and, and he's got to be happy with that. Like, I, I don't think that, like, uh, truth serum over there, you, I don't think uh, Max Bolin would be, uh, like, 
singing anybody's uh, singing his own praises whatsoever about his season so far. In fact, uh, aside from leading uh, the first race that he ran in, as a pro in Paula, uh, he hasn't really shown a lot of uh, flashes of brilliance. Uh, he's a good rider. I think a track like Millville would have done would uh, he would have done well at a track like that. So not surprised to see that he has his career best moving into uh, the hard slick services of Washougal, which uh, is north of where he comes from. I don't think he probably had too many he spun too many laps there uh, as a youth, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, he's obviously from Northern California, but for the most part, you'd probably imagine that Paula. And Hangtown would be his uh, his best races. Um, let's flip things over to the 450 class where it was the Eli Tomac show again. Uh, he's won four nationals now in a row. He's won seven of the last eight motos. Uh, he's won nine. He's just won just as many motos as Jet Lawrence has has on the the season, and he's absolutely crushing it. He's got the points lead now, albeit only by five points. Um, but like the damage is done. I, I don't I don't see Chase Sexton being able to bounce back despite being able to basically keep uh, Eli honest the entire second moto. Uh, and I that obviously things being that close in the championship, things could change. But they officially both these guys have a full race lead. They have 67 points on third place in the points right now, which is Jason Anderson. Anderson 67 points back of Sexton and like he's the only other guy that has uh, overall win actually Ken Roxon has one as well um, who Ken seemed that had an absolute had a Millville from hell that was uh, not what you're looking for whatsoever uh, both those guys are quite a few points adrift of the championship in fact uh, Eli and Sexton are the only the only two in the 300s as far as point scoring and it's a, it's a table set for two. Uh, it's going to be these guys going all the way down to the wire. Uh, I don't expect there to be a huge gap as far as points-wise because um, as of right now, Chase is only giving up six, seven points every single national. Uh, and if they happen to swap out uh, on moto moto victories, that'll be uh, basically a wash. So uh, I think you're going to have some great, uh, some nail biting all the way down. And it's been a great championship, despite uh, Eli rattling off a ton of wins in the last little bit here. Um, it's uh, it's been a great championship series. Uh, if you're able to watch on uh, on Mav TV Plus, or I guess now it's Flow Racing, uh, I would. Uh, seriously consider uh sitting some help aside and maybe this is a question that i can pose to you guys you can you can respond to me via instagram dm or uh over via email you can always hit me up bradgebhart88 at gmail.com uh do you watch the races live because i i certainly have a hard time finding four hours in the middle of my saturday to watch live pro motocross especially when it's been uh, a beautiful summer like we've had uh i certainly this weekend will not be watching the the, the motos live as i'll be out at shadow valley raceway a track where uh, I've, I've ridden and raced for a lot of years uh it's an absolutely beautiful track charlie westfall uh currently right uh managing that track and uh, I'll be riding practice on Saturday and if things feel really good I'll be uh, I'll be jumping behind the gate on Sunday to do some racing so um but yeah either way like I, let me know if you guys are watching these races on like in in their live form and not not watching them as an archive whatsoever I find it's always easier to watch as an archive either a Saturday night or uh, or Sunday morning uh, if you're having a slow Sunday morning or something along those lines always find a way to fit in the motos um what we didn't get at Millville, obviously we had a great track, 
Track looked beautiful, uh, despite a, a ton of rain on on the Thursday uh, before amateur amateur day on Friday. Uh, we didn't get a Ryan Dungey coming out and just uh, and and being that local boy who who kind of makes good. He gets he gets a third in a moto. Uh, no, he didn't. Uh, he was four, six on the day, 33 points, fifth overall, Ryan Dungey, number five from Bell Plain, Minnesota. Um, that was Craig that got third in the second moto, but, um, like for all intents and purposes, I think this is a successful summer for, for Ryan Dungey, uh, coming back season, like quite a few seasons removed. He didn't even race outdoors in 2017. Uh, and like, just hats off to him. The guy's leaving. He's having a ton of fun at the races. Looks good on the bike. But like, bike looks good. Gear looks good. And it's just great to have a legend like that back. Like uh, I just think of some of the kids that uh, say would have like if you were in your mid-teens uh, watching him race uh, nationals back in 2016. Uh, you're you're a few more years on, and you can sh- watch him a little bit closer and appreciate a legend like that. Uh, I kind of liken that to if I would have been able to go to a Supercross. In uh, in 2005 or 2006, and watch Jeremy McGrath uh, when he did his uh, a few race tour where uh, he raced both on a 450 and a, a 252 stroke um, mechanic by Lars Lindstrom back then. Uh, that would have been really cool. So hopefully uh, some some fans are getting that experience now, getting to watch Ryan Dungey. Um, shout, like totally random, just looking at the results, but shout out to Eric Grundahl for getting into the motos. You don't see him get into the motos too often in, uh, in Lucas Oil Pro Motocross. He did exactly that. And also shout out to Tyler Speck. Uh, you, uh, you got zero points for me in Pulpamex Fantasy, and uh, I would have had a much better day if not for that absolute blunder. Uh, but uh, that's, that's on me for picking you. Um, I have to take full responsibility for that. So that's just a few notes on uh, the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross AMA Nationals. How about we throw things over to Talon Hawkins here on the Big MX Radio Podcast. As someone who doesn't just appreciate but demands great motocross gear, I'm very picky about what gear I wear on and off the track. When I got a chance to try on their new gear, I was all over it. Fitment was a snap. I really couldn't be any happier. I headed off to my local dealer where I find all my other Fox products. I got the Flex Air Realm stuff, so I'm styling. Secondly, it fits like a glove. Room in the arms and shoulders, very important for me. And the pants fit over my knee braces, which is always important. Often I wear Fox racing apparel off the track as well. Sometimes on a patio grabbing a cold one, I always know I'm going to look good when I'm dressed head to toe in Fox Racing Canada. When I need a fresh look, I head off to Fox Racing Canada to see what products might be available at my local dealer, head on down, and make my purchases. And lastly, Fox Racing Apparel just works. They've got great styles, they've got durable products for on and off the track. You're going to like the way you look when you choose Fox Racing and Fox Racing Canada. Discover your next great look at foxracing.ca. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, as well as Phoenix Handlebars and Guts Racing. Go to gutsracing.com right now. Go check it out. Extremely fast service, and you know Andy Gregg is going to fix you up with the best-looking and best-performing seat cover uh, out there. Uh, I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. 
with me on the line who a guy who did his pro debut this last weekend at basically the best track that you can turn pro at. It's my favorite track on the series. It's one that I've actually raced at personally. Uh, and he also used a Guts Racing seat cover when he made that pro debut. The 339 in your program, likely number one in your hearts after this interview. Talon Hawkins, welcome back to the Big MX Radio Podcast. Hey, how's it going, man? I'm stumped pumped to be here. Absolutely. Stoked to have you on, man. It's been a minute since we had you on the show. In fact, the last time we had you on the show, you were on Super Minis, so that certainly was some time ago. Uh, you made you graduated to big bikes, had all kinds of edits on uh, the 125s that uh, Instagram just gobbles up. You're just basically just making a bunch of noise on a 125 and getting likes left, right, and center. Graduate over to the 250Fs, and now you've made your pro debut. Things are moving and shaking, man. How are you? Oh, that's crazy, man, dude. I feel like these past few years have gone by so fast. Ever since I hopped on the 250, I've just been having the time of my life. You know, the whole Rockstar Energy team, dude, It's they've been helping me out so much. And yeah, dude, this pro debut is, it was honestly insane. It was, it's, it's, it's like, I can't really explain it in words on how much fun I had and how much I feel like it helped me, like, in my upcoming career. But it was, it was a rad experience for sure. Absolutely. Now, you, you've been sort of in the pipeline for a number of years now. Like I mentioned, uh, when I first not talked to you, uh, we were discussing the fact that uh, sometimes you were racing green bikes, sometimes you were racing white bikes. We couldn't exactly figure out where your alliances lied, but eventually decided on the uh, the Husqvarna's. Uh, you've been on those for at least three or four years now, if not longer, um, and you found some serious success, uh, both both in the, in the free riding world of putting together some pretty cool edits uh, in the backyard as well as uh, on the racing scene. Um, before we get into the pro debut, let's spin the clocks back a little bit to when you first got approached by uh, Husqvarna to really sort of start to move this program a little bit further forward, put you into the pipeline and put you into a position to be successful at the pro level. Um, who, who are you working with over at, uh, at yeah, Husky so, and um, how'd that work? Back when, yeah, so, oh shoot. Go ahead. Oh, you were cutting out a little bit at the end. Sorry, man. All good. Can you repeat that? Yeah. Who are you contact? Who are you in contact with? Who is grooming you? And uh, how did they put you into a position to be successful? Um. So yeah, my buddy. I, we were always been good friends with my man Sean Murphy. He's he's like one of my managers right now. Um. But he used to work for Thor originally, and he helped me. We just kind of been kept in contact with him. Um. I tried to get some results and. Ended up getting, yeah, ended up getting some results and just, just made the, made the most of it and tried to get a ride out of it. I I knew obviously it came down to results, results and results. But it's cool that I've been able to keep like my marketing up with uh, online, like do some free riding. And as soon as I got this ride, they were totally cool with it. They said, "We don't want you to change. We don't want you to change. We want you to keep your personality, do whatever, like, keep doing you." And we'll do the rest. And it's, so it's been a sick program. I love the whole, the whole rockstar energy family, the whole Husky family. Like it's, it's, it's a perfect fit for me and I'm so stoked to be on their team. So when were you approached to, uh, to make the pro debut? Uh, and what was the sort of the, the boot camp and preparation like for it? Obviously you're, you're going to jump back down and go to Loretta's. Um, but, uh, how did this year's or this summer's preparation differ from years in the past where you're just going to Loretta's? Okay, so recently, in the past few months, I've been out at the Baker's Factory. So Nate Ramsey, the team manager, gave me a chance to come out here and no big deal. put my butt to work. Yeah, no big deal, right? Baker's Factory. No, I'm so blessed to be here. Like, this place is pretty crazy. Uh, it's it's I, I Actually, when I came in the first time, 
this is about, about a couple months ago. I came in and I thought the place was a golf course. I was like, it literally looks like a just the nicest place I've ever been. Uh, full like golf course looking area. So it, I was pretty overwhelmed, honestly, if I'm being honest. But I came here, just been working my butt off and trying to get faster and faster. So that pro debut was came a little bit easier. But obviously, it's no joke lining up with all the guys in the line. There's there's some big. Everybody's a heavy hitter in there. So yeah, I just had to put my head down and do the best I could. Working with Alden Baker, working with Mike Brown, uh, give me some insight as to like what, how the demanding that program is. Uh, I'm sure you're even a little bit starstruck. I've seen, you've been around these guys for a long time, but like working directly with Alden and Mike. Uh, and then I also need your best Mike Brown story because that guy is a cartoon character. Oh, I love Mike Brown, dude. He's he's the homie. Honestly, I didn't know him very well, and he seemed like a little bit of a quiet guy before I got to know him. But as I've gotten to know him, he's just really opened up, and he's just he's been like just a super cool dude on and off, like on and off the training. He's just I can call him anytime I want if I need anything. Like he's been a real solid dude. So same thing with Alden. He's he's just been an awesome guy. Like I've been we've been out here training. Like obviously it's when you're at the track you get your work done and put your motos in, and but after that like he's a super cool guy off the uh, uh, besides training and yeah they're just, it's just been pretty cool dude it's it's been stressful though to it was stressful right when I came out here because I didn't know anybody I didn't I've I'd never I've met Alden briefly in the past but and I've known Brownie a little bit here and there but I've never really gotten to know him and it, it was just stressful when I was coming out here like I, I didn't know what it was going to be like you know training with AP Aaron Plessinger training with all the Rockstar Husky guys most of the KTM guys like it was a very stressful move for me but Honestly, since I've been I've been here for a couple months, and I feel like it's a really good fit, and I'm pumped to be here. So, does that kind of feel like jumping onto a treadmill that's going 100 miles an hour? Those guys are <laughs> all tuned into that program; they're used to it, um, and like you said, they're they're just accustomed to the area. You're West Coast; this is East Coast, um, and also mm-hmm. just the intensity of training. How do you adjust to that, and uh, and how helpful was a guy like Aaron Plessinger in helping you? Uh, adjust to that program. He's a pretty lighthearted guy. I feel like the two of you would pretty gel, uh, give, even though you've uh, come from uh, different ends of the, the spectrum. Oh, man, yeah. R- right when I came here, it was pretty overwhelming, but like they pretty much didn't let loose on me either. I, I First day, they threw me in doing two 30-minute motos, but obviously warm up in the morning. So it's, they didn't make it easy on me. They threw me right in, and Honestly, it it helped me a lot though, because I I've learned work I've learned a lot of work ethic, and we know not to give up out here. Like you get you get your motos done, get your work done, and you can play after. And it's been a, it's been a really solid program, honestly. Uh, just the best thing, the best part about it is getting to ride with all the guys. Obviously, yeah, like Aaron Plessinger, like you said, he's been such a cool homie. I've never I've never talked to him previously, and we've honestly become pretty good buddies now. It's it's pretty sick. I like it. Well, it's a great family atmosphere down there. They they kind of look out for each other. Uh, from what I've uh, heard from from Alden, the number of times I've had him on the show, he's uh, an absolute salt of the earth kind of guy. Someone who uh, understands athletes. Um, like I, I think he gets like accused sometimes by not only the media but just fans that don't really know that he's just a taskmaster. He's going to grind people up. But I think he understands athletes, and I think he also understands that there's a whole lot more potential inside than most people would realize. 
Uh, and when going about it uh, in, a, in a smart way, you can make some pretty special things happen, which culminated in you making your pro debut this last weekend in, like I said, the best track on the circuit, uh, Spring Creek, otherwise known as Millville. Um, tell me about the weeks that led up to the, the, the training level leading up to it and uh, finally showing up to that beautiful landscape in the, in the valley there, the trees everywhere and uh, the humidity that ensued when you turned pro. Yeah, so coming from Cali, I'm not very used to humidity. So that was obviously a tough move right when I came out here. But honestly, training didn't change much once once I came out here from Cali. Like once I went from training from Florida and went to the pro de- like to my pro debut, it didn't change much just because we've been doing 30 plus twos consistently. Like we do a bunch of sprints. We even do some sections every once in a while. Um, training didn't change much. It kind of just stayed steady, steady, steady. It's just been a, like a constant build of uh, just like endurance and my cardio. It's it's just been a constant build. So honestly, it was originally I was just going to be racing Loretta's and that's what I was training for. But it kind of evolved into moving more towards making my pro debut and just getting some experience out on that track and now with those racers. And so, yeah, training didn't change much. It was just like a steady grind. And I love the grind. If you get, If you keep a good attitude in this program, you're going to love it. You, you can't come in with a bad attitude or think, think of it as work. Cause if you do that, it's going to feel like hell to you. Hey, you're preaching to the choir, man. Um, when it comes to training, you, you got to love the work and then the results just come, uh, especially like you said, uh, getting to train in like just basically an embarrassment of riches as far as a facility. Uh, and, and yeah, working alongside guys like Aaron Plessinger, you've got buddies years like Chance Hymas uh, down there as well, training in Florida. Um putting in the work and, and like you said, sort of like, yeah, like training for Loretta's Loretta's is a different out, uh, amateur national than all the others. But essentially I think the real, the linchpin as to why guys are able to guys at your level are able to be so successful at Loretta's because they're not really training for Loretta's they're, they're training for outdoor nationals. Uh, and when it comes to like an outdoor national is a, a whale of a, of a challenge compared to uh, a week at the ranch, um, despite the heat, despite the, uh, the likeliness of, of a, of a couple of mud races in there, I still think that training for an outdoor national is uh, is a taller hill to climb than uh, than racing at the ranch. So um, in a way, you guys are just uh, like basically instead of setting your sights on being successful at the ranch, going out there cr- crushing motos, getting yourselves ready to go turn pro. And uh, and when it comes to uh, going to uh, Tennessee, um, just just putting a, an exclamation point on that as well. Uh, what like obviously you're. You're going to head back to uh, Loretta's. You're going to finish off your amateur career. Um, but what was it like racing an outdoor national for the very first time? Uh, the fans on the on the stand, on the, the fences, hearing the air horns, the whole nine yards uh, must have been a pretty cool experience for you. Oh, it all felt so surreal, honestly, man. Like, I went out there. I've raced races kind of like it in the past. Just like when I was on Super Minis, back when we were talking about like on Super Minis, I did yep. the... I did the Monster Energy Cup a few years, and I got a little taste of the crowd, but it just didn't. It, it was not the same. I wasn't racing with the pro guys. Like it just didn't feel the same. So I, I felt like I had a little bit of a of experience coming into it, and quickly realized that I was wrong. Like this place was just so. It was just crazy to be living in the moment, like being at that track, being at Millville, where Chad Reed did the Chad pull, where Dungey grew up. Dungey was on riding the same track as me that same day. Like it, it was crazy to me. I, I was honestly, 
I wasn't talking much that day because I was just in awe of the whole experience that I was getting to deal with. Like it, it just blew my mind. Soaking it all up and uh, and having to learn exactly. a track, a big tr- like a, a, a track that's well over two minutes in length for you guys, probably closer to a two and a half for me. Uh, but we're not even going to go there. Um, <laughs> but like the the sand whoops, Mount Martin. Uh, everything else about it, uh, a left-handed start, which is uh, or right-handed first turner, first turn, which is uh, which is a little bit of an extra wrinkle thrown in there as well. Um, just tell me a little bit about the qualifying session, where like you're having to basically uh, get the jumps down and then go as fast as humanly possible, as far as fast as you can go, uh, in order to put in a good qualifying time. Uh, basically, this being your first challenge, doing that at the pro level. Yeah, that was that was probably my biggest challenge of the whole day. Honestly, I didn't I didn't know the track at all, and they they, they told me go out do one lap, and then you got to start qualifying. Just um, I, yeah, I so I I really studied that track. I studied that track real hard the day before. We got there super early just so I could check it out and try to try to understand how this track worked. And so that was definitely my hardest challenge. I ended up qualifying thirty first, which honestly is good, but I wanted to do better, so I was a little little rare to have honestly but just tried to get as much experience on the track as I could I took every lap I studied all the lines I studied what the what the big guys were doing in the 450 class uh and just tried to really dissect the track as best I could and just go out and race and just make the most of it and and you certainly did like tell me a little bit about the dynamic of being in the race truck on race day like all these guys like you're basically le- similar to you going to the to the Baker's factory uh, mid-season, uh, jumping on that treadmill, jumping onto uh, a race program when those guys have already had this would be round seven. Uh, everything's old hat to those guys. You got Paul Delorier uh, cooking things up and making sure you guys got some uh, good food to eat uh, between motos and stuff like that, or maybe uh, earlier on in the day. Um, like uh, the hustle and bustle of the of the the truck as well as you trying to focus and uh, also calm some nerves uh, before going uh, 30 plus two. Yeah. The whole, the whole truck situation was so sick that all this, the whole team makes it so easy for us. Like does everything for us. Yeah. You said Paul cooking us some good lunch. Like we I I had some good Paul. nice plate of chicken and rice. Oh, it was, it was amazing. It's crazy. It was like a whole setup. They had everything so dialed because they've done it for so many years. Yeah. And that's what I, I loved about it. It's like so structured. And I've never, I've never really had that in my life prior to this. So honestly, it was, it was a crazy experience as well. I I will say though, the only thing that caught me, that kind of caught me off guard was the fans, bro. It's crazy. They're crazy there. Like, I love it. I love it. They're so, it was a little overwhelming, I will admit, but it's so cool to have little kids coming up to me, like asking for my autograph. Like I was in that situation when I was a kid. Like I, I want, just wanted autographs from the guys I look up to and, it honestly felt, it just felt crazy to see that kids were coming up and asking for their autograph for me. Honestly, it felt weird, but I love the feeling. Oh, and that'll likely never get old for you, man. And you, honestly, you got to think about where you're at. When you're in Millville, Minnesota, that is about as nowhere as nowhere gets. And I'm, I'm speaking from experience because I live in basically the biggest city of nowhere, Canada, uh, which is basically... Uh, like you get winter six months of the year, 
they don't guarantee a na- uh, a national or they get a national every year, but they haven't had a Supercross every year going back for at least 30 years now. Um, and for the most part, you just feel super removed from professional motocross. It's not like living in SoCal where you're going to get seven Supercrosses and three outdoor nationals every single year. Like these guys, like it, they come, it comes one, but once a year, it's basically like Christmas in July. And oh, by the way, you get the punk rock kid of professional motocross, Talon Hawkins making his pro debut on the 339. That's exciting times. I don't, I don't blame anyone for, uh, for asking for an autograph. In fact, if I would have been there, I would have done the same. <laughs> well thank you man it, it honestly it just felt like it, it was just a weird feeling like yeah I, I remember when i was a kid i'd be going up to yeah i went to ryan dungy i want his plastics want his autograph i had i actually have a hat back at home i still have it to this day a little it's like a little i think it's a i'm pretty sure it's yeah it's a makita rockstar makita suzuki hat nice. with ryan dungy and roger DeCoster's name signed on it and i will hold on to that forever <laughs> There you go. Yeah, that's that's right around. Yeah, like he, he was on Makita Suzuki. Uh, would have been full on rock star by 2009. So that's yeah, that's basically 2007, 2008. Uh, great time within the sport. Um, and, and obviously, you being a fan of the sport growing up, uh, taking the time to uh, sign some autographs there. Of course, there's a little bit of a balance. You can't sign everything. You can't give every jer- jersey away. You got to have a, a few for the collection. Um, where where is that uh, that uh, the jerseys from this last weekend? Uh, are you gonna donate one of them? Are I'm sure. Uh, I think your your mom probably needs one of those things framed. What's the plans for those? So honestly, I didn't give out much this weekend. I I gave obviously gave my autograph to a bunch of people, a bunch of little kids that yep. really wanted them, and I was pumped on that. But I wanted Turned to pro, keep but my once, jerseys man. as of right now. Yeah, seriously, I I wanted to keep my front number plate. I wanted to keep my jerseys, but. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I would give out a, like one or like one of them, one or two of them, but I'm like a little keepsake guy. Like that's a, it was a crazy experience to me. And I want to have those memories because I cher- love and cherish those. He's a nostalgic kid. Absolutely love it, man. <laughs> um, That's great to hear. And so, like one question before you, we're going to talk a little bit about amateur stuff uh, now is uh, how does the, the bike that you rode this weekend differ from what you ride during the week? And how does it differ from what you'll be uh, uh, rolling up to the line in uh, at, at Loretta's? Okay. So um, I actually use the same motor, same bike that I used at Redbud, the Redbud Combine. Okay. Uh, it's my same bike I've been riding. It was the amateur bike, mm-hmm. um, amateur spec bike, just because uh the whole husky team has been running the new bikes okay so i'm sticking with the old bike until i go pro okay so rj and... was probably jealous of you then <laughs> right <laughs> no, no i'm but, gonna go there so, but i got i stuck with, yeah <laughs> no, i stuck with the old bike but i ended up getting some spec tires uh was able to try those out for the first time which is pretty crazy i actually got to try out the new dunlop mx14 scoop tire yeah how was that was a whole Oh, I think it was amazing. I only ran it in practice just because it wasn't it wasn't too deep later in the day. So okay. I went back to the 33. But that scoop tire, it was crazy. It was, it was like everything in the MX-12, but it had the sidewalls, so it gripped on the on the edges. So I love that thing. That's awesome, dude. Good to hear. And did I uh, did I happen to see uh, from Scotty Atkins that you had uh, a mechanic making his pro debut all in the same time? <laughs> uh, who was spinning the wrenches for you? Yeah, my buddy Austin McCoy. We just met him recently. I, I, I actually, okay, it's a funny story. Okay. Um, I hadn't met him until I had gotten to Baker's. We met in Claremont the day before riding, 
And I met him, shook his hand, said, hey, let's go riding tomorrow, bro. We, this is going to be our first day. He had yeah. never been a practice mechanic. He went through Scott's school, and he really knows his stuff, dude. He's a super witty, smart guy, knows everything about dirt bikes. But he, had, he hadn't been in the whole atmosphere yet, as both of us haven't, honestly. Neither of us have been in that atmosphere. So we both went into it not knowing what to expect and just – put our heads down, just drove through the gate of Baker's factory and did our first practice day. And the rest is history. We've been, we've been freaking a good team and I'm pumped. Yeah. I'm pumped. He's been spinning wrenches for me. He's a good dude. That's awesome, dude. Like you, you honestly, you're the reason why I call you like the punk rock kid of motocross is you've got a great vibe about you. You've uh, get the you got the long hair for the most part uh, uh, between motos here and there. You'll probably have to rip it down to the wood one of these summers when it gets crazy hot. But uh, um, you just look, you make motocross look like a fun job to have, like, and that is your job is to race motocross. Uh, probably gives you chills just thinking about that. Um, but uh, what does that sort of mean to you to be able to turn pro at a sport that you're absolutely a huge fan of and uh, and kind of seeing it all kind of come for, to fruition after a lot of years of a lot of hard work it's crazy because i've never thought of the work as as being work like i've always thought of it as fun like i'm doing this I, I'm, not, I'm not sitting in a brick and mortar i i'm not sitting in like a, not a classroom sorry a br- I got, i'm not sitting in a real job i'm not sitting at a desk i'm not doing like papers filing papers and stuff like that and a lot of kids don't think about it like that, but we could be doing freaking construction, like any of that stuff. And it's crazy that we get to do what we love for a living. And obviously you get caught up in the moment sometimes and you don't really think about it. You're like, Oh, this track sucks. Oh yeah. Oh, this, all oh, this, all oh, this sucks. This work sucks, but you got to take a step back. Dude, you're doing what you love. You're riding the dirt bikes for a living. Like you can't, you can't really be mad at that. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Like you, this might be something you want to to dump on some guys at the Baker's factory. I'm a b- bricklayer by trade. That's what I do every day. Um, and and concrete blocks are about 35 pounds a piece. I gotta lay about 300 of them a day. Uh, so that is the alternative, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, put in the work uh, to go ride your dirt bike. Obviously, there's a lot of risk involved and some hard work involved with that. But uh, uh, given the opportunity, uh, I'd switch places with you tomorrow. Uh, actually, probably <laughs> yesterday. Um, but uh, that's cool to hear, man. Like it's it's amazing to me to hear. And I first you first became on my radar uh, when you worked with Kyle Cowling on a very special episode. I can't remember the name of the series. The Spectrum series. The Spectrum series. Yes, they did a fantastic job uh it was actually very heart-wrenching because uh you'd gone to some uh some regionals that you just like didn't get the results you were looking for uh dad stressed you're stressed mom's stressed um and and now to see obviously the the, the chips are still on the table there's still a lot uh, riding on the results and this that and the other thing but the fact that you've been able to um like battle through and continue to have success like you said going to monster energy cup having some good results there um turning heads left right and center like that already feels that's got to be five six years ago already um but uh and a lot of hard work since those days yeah it's it's you have to you have to take the bad days and just make just kind of forget them put them aside and just keep working that's that's the hardest part about this is you'll have super bad days but it's kind of how you rebel from them and and be above them and just try to make the good days because obviously the bad days are going to make the good days just that much greater Love it, man. Uh, so what classes are you doing for Loretta's? 
Um, I'll be out in the 250 Pro Sport and I think Open Pro. Yeah, 250 Pro Sport and Open Pro Sport. Fair Those enough. Two classes. Looking, looking for some good results there. Um, what do you listen to throughout the week, man? Like, I just, I feel, I don't know why, but I feel like you probably have some, <laughs> some good taste in music. Uh, we're, we're about 20, 15 years different in age, but I'm, I'm sure you got some, some good tunes rolling. What, what is it is usually in your headphones? Um, uh, and do you listen to anything specific before, before you go ride or, or, or were you listening to anything specifically this last Saturday at Millville? Okay. So yeah, like you actually kind of got me right, dude. I'm not much of a rap guy. Like I don't listen to much hip hop. Like I, I'm not just not really a fan of it. I'll have a little just bit here the and there, but I, you're right with the punk rock kid. I love punk rock. I love punk. Um, like, yeah, honestly, I listen to a little bit of everything, but I like country, I like, like chill music, like slightly stupid, uh, sublime with Rome, those, those kinds of bands. Um, just kind of anything, anything that's, not like not punk, not rap honestly. okay I, I have a little bit here and there but like yeah like zebrahead you know, like everclear um just, any punk rock bro honestly fair enough fair enough um well that that reminds me i'm going to text you the link to a uh, a podcast that i listen to on a regular basis called the ongoing history of new music it's really really interesting i'm sure you've got uh, a lot of downtime traveling and stuff like that might be some cool uh interesting stories in, in amongst there um uh, but talon uh it's 9 30 your time eight o'clock central here uh you probably have uh some uh, you're past your bedtime. If Alden had any idea you're up right now, we, we would both be in trouble. In fact, he'd probably come down on me harder than he'd come on down on you. Uh, best of luck to, uh, at the ranch, my friend. Really appreciate the time. Uh, any last words that you have for the Big MX Radio faithful before you go out and, uh, and and ride some pro motos down at the ranch? Well, shoot, guys. Thank you guys for listening. I'm pumped to be here, and this is a sick experience. I'm glad I got to talk about this stuff. Uh, really needed to vent after that crazy weekend, honestly. But yeah, thank you so much for having me here, man. I appreciate it. This is, this is sick. Awesome, dude. Well, many uh, great stories to come. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch in the, in the weeks and months that come, uh, that come along. Thank you so much for making the time for the podcast. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there. Dude, that was sick. Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Like kept you a little <laughs> longer than I expected. I and we're back. Big MX Radio Podcast. There Talon goes. Awesome kid. Absolutely loved having him on the show. Uh, really, really cool kid. Uh, he is absolutely punk rock. I think he's going to be great for the sport. I think he's going to have a lot of success. He's got a great attitude. In fact, I, I messaged uh, Alden Baker just moments after that interview to let uh, Alden know just how well that I felt that that interview went. And just how great of an attitude, like how good of an attitude does Talon Hawkins have? Like the kid is an absolute superstar uh, in the making. Uh, he's got great, great speed. Um, he's going about it the right way. And uh, yeah, he, he knows there's a ton of work being uh, that needs to be put in to, to win those championships. And it sounds to me like he's more than ready to do exactly that. So let's jump th things into the Triple Crown Series. Canadian national style, a little bit of CanCon for you. Um, and we, we send things off to Sandeli, uh, a fantastic facility. Uh, I, if I'm not mistaken, that's basically where the MX-101 team calls home. Uh, it's another sand-based track with uh, a ton of history within it. Uh, a ton of great races have happened there. And we were served up for another one this weekend, despite uh, uh, both motos being won by the same guy. Um, 
Like, my heart goes out to Sebastian Racine, who gives up the lead in the last corner, goes and dri- drives into the back of, of, a, of a downed lap rider, or what would have been a lapped rider. Uh, and Ryder McNabb goes around the outside, collects his moto win, and goes one-on-one on the day. And in doing so, is now just one point back of Mitchell Harrison for the championship lead and uh, going into some tracks where riders ha- had some success and a lot of I imagine tracks that uh, Harrison hasn't seen before. Of course, they're going to go back to Walton one more time, but um, I think riders catching his stride here. I think he's going to, he's going to make it interesting all the way down to the wire and uh, would not be surprised uh, if uh, you see a few more moto victories out of that GDR Honda in the 250 class. Um Josiah Natsuki, uh, after uh, having himself a couple of uh, perfect days, uh, something that uh, Team PRMX certainly hasn't had uh, a ton of over the years, uh, but uh, was not to be. Um, he go he ends up going 6-10 on the day. Um, didn't haven't had a chance to watch the motos yet, but uh, like obviously that's a regression from his previous motos. Uh, you hate to see it for him, but. Uh, for all intents and purposes, not really in the championship series, um, so it's kind of allowed the, uh, the the guys up at the front to do their thing. Uh, the guy who really suffered the uh, the biggest loss from this last round, this round six at Sandali, with only three rounds to go, is Jacob Piccolo. He gets 29 points on the day, while his closest competitor gets 50, giving up over giving up 21 points on one particular day, and uh, that's gonna hurt. That's gonna uh, uh, make it uh, that much easier for um, Ryder McNabb to set his sights on Mitchell Harrison, uh, make this a table set for two. Uh, it's it's not completely out of reach for Piccolo. There still is six motos to go, um, but he's still he's got to get his homework done. You can't have bad motos like that in uh, in a short series like this. There is nine nationals. It's not a terribly short series, but uh, certainly a, a whole lot. It's it's. 25% shorter than uh, than the Lucas Oil Pro Motocross AMA Nationals. So uh, every single moto counts. Um, shout out to Tyler Gibbs. Great ride from him as well. Same thing with Quinn Amiot. Amiot's been uh, absolutely shredding lately. He goes 5-5 for fourth overall. Racine ends up third in that one moto where he ends up going down after he could have been leading. Uh, in fact, that would have been the difference of him winning the overall, I believe. If I'm not, no, he, I think Ryder still would have got it because he would have went two. He would have went one two uh, for 48 or 47 points on the day. But either way, uh, like. Racine would have been one more step higher aboard his KTM. And uh, shout out to Mitchell Harrison and his team. They're sitting second in points in the the 250s, currently holding the points lead in the 250s, and has absolutely dominated the the women's racing as well with Yves Brodeur. Uh, so great to see that like first year team. They're doing absolutely amazing. The callus gear looks great as well. Um, and, and just hats off to those guys. Great effort all, all the way around. Um, Jeremy McKay out of Quebec, also a great ride. Uh, the kid looks good on a bike as well. Uh, Julian Bennick, he was ripping as well. Absolutely. Uh, tons of talent in throughout the 250 class in, uh, in the Triple Crown Series, flip things over to the 450 class, and it's the Dylan Wright show, and it wasn't close. Um, Medaglia and Moffenbeier end up swapping out and tying on points. They both give uh, Dylan Wright eight points on the year, on, on the day, and for all intents and purposes, this championship 
I, if I'm not mistaken, is basically it's it's 30, 38 points, which is actually quite close considering. But Tyler Medaglia has been second every single national out so far. As, as perfect a season as Dylan Wright has had, uh, arguably Tyler Medaglia's most successful season results-wise, um, aside from not getting any wins, uh, from and he's he's absolutely crushing it at the age he is and uh, like uh, switching brands. Obviously, he was he was on Kawasaki last year, if I'm not mistaken, um, or maybe he was on a Husky. Either way, um, Medaglia is second uh, second every single race out. He's got uh, he's got almost 50 points. Uh, in fact, it is 50 points on uh, on Moffenbeier in third, who's had a little bit more irregularity to his 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 results, and then it's uh, it's 110 points, 111 points all the way back to uh, to Tanner Ward. So there's a huge separation within the top five of this championship. 300 points for Dylan Wright. You know what that means. After six rounds, he's won every single moto. Uh, he, He's the class of the field. Uh, he hasn't been able to be challenged by a guy like Jess Pettis. Uh, Pettis uh, going out after the first round. He ends up with a third overall. Uh, somehow still sits 20th in points. That's pretty awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, with, with three rounds to go, uh, Dylan Wright is uh, has his sights set on... Um, on an absolutely blemishless season. Uh, I think he can get it uh, at this point. Um, the rest of the guys will be stopping at nothing to uh, take that away from him, and rightfully so. Uh, Medaglia, you know he wants to get a, a, a moto victory uh, and an overall uh, before the season's out. And same thing with Sean Moffenbeier. Moffenbeier has the speed. Uh, I think he's, he's shown... Uh, some flashes of brilliance this season, and uh, a few of his tracks going down the stretch are ones that he he, he does particularly well at. So uh, continue to watch along with that series as well, which I believe is on uh, Ride TV app, and go check that out. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast. Uh, just uh, quick notes on on, two, on the American the Amer- the American and Canadian series uh, with an uh, interview with Talon Hawkins. Thrown in the middle, like I said, off the cuff, go to your local dealer, buy up all of their Fox Racing apparel, both on the track and off the track. You're going to like the way you look, you're going to like the way you feel, and you're like the way you're fitted when it comes to Fox Racing Canada product. So go check that stuff out, guys. Support your local dealer. And I appreciate listening to this podcast. Take care.